This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Women's Leadership Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Francois Zidane, Chief Whole Health and Wellbeing Officer for University Hospitals Health System and Director of UH Connor Whole Health. Dr. Don, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. My pleasure. So glad to uh, be with you, Laura. Well, I know we'll talk a lot about some of the different efforts you have there at university hospitals and things that you're seeing. But before we dive into our discussion, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure. So I am an immigrant. I grew up in uh, Belgium, Brussels, where I went to medical school and then moved uh, into the U.S., where I spent most of my professional life. I'm a physician. Um, both family medicine as a start and then transition to psychiatry pretty quickly. So I'll consider myself really a mind and body physician. And, um, you know, because we teach uh, what we need to learn, my focus has been really on stress management and resilience training. Got it. Well, what a fascinating field, and especially over these past couple of years during the pandemic. How has that been for you? What's it been like to, you know, really lead and manage such an important program over the past couple of years? You know, I have been really uh, feeling very responsible and feeling like, you know, what what we do is uh, certainly impacting our community, our caregivers, our patients. I really feel like uh, the pandemic has even increased awareness and the importance on uh, being healthy, staying healthy, taking care of ourselves, and um, um, emphasize again on how important it is to think more about than disease management, but also health management. Absolutely. That's a really great point. And I understand that you lead the UH Connor Integrative Health Network. Can you tell us about the network and whole health approach? What makes it really unique? So, you know, whole health, um, it's basically means good medicine. You know, we, we call it different names, but at the end of the day, it's just common sense, good medicine. It's making sure that we understand the patient, what matters to the patient, not what is the matter with the patient that we establish a a relationship of trust and compassion and a partnership, and that that we use all the tools and the modalities and the technique that are evidence-based to really um, promote health, uh, increase well-being, and um, either uh, return to a state of health or um, certainly mitigate uh, some of the symptoms and alleviate, you know, some of the suffering. So in a way, it's just good medicine. That's really what it is. And at UH, we are, UH, University Hospital, we are lucky that uh, the organization understand that. So our, our um, program is woven into uh, our entire system. And it's not either or, it's just, you know, being uh, one team, we're all of us working together for the benefit uh, of the patient. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. And I understand that you lead the UH Connor Whole Health Network. Can you tell us about the network and whole health approach? What makes it unique? Oh, certainly many. You know, I think that I, I should also say that, you know, in the U.S., we often wait 
that people are sick um, before we take care of them. And that's, you know, not what many other countries are doing, certainly not where I came from. And so the emphasis, again, on, on prevention and on health and taking care of ourselves before we get sick, avoiding to get sick is um, is important. But I can probably uh, talk about many examples, but one is certainly how do we address pain? And um, knowing that, um, you know, we address this as a, as a comprehensive team, uh, sometimes people need medication, sometimes people are going to need surgery, but what else can be done? And maybe it's um, acupuncture, which is again, an evidence-based treatment that reduces symptoms of pain and um, either decrease or avoid pharmacology altogether, or it's about teaching some um, yoga stretch, or it's about um, paying attention to what we eat and how much we sleep and how do we address our, our stress. So it's putting all those tools together, very, very relevant right now when we know that the opiate crisis continue to have so many uh, consequences and tragic consequences with you know overdose being at the um, um, at the highest level despite all efforts. So making sure that uh, patients feel empowered and equipped to deal with some of their symptoms uh, and maybe avoiding some, um, avoiding to be long-term on medication uh, is, is uh, one example. Well, that's a great example. And it's just so interesting to think about all the different ways that people can change their lifestyles and really make a difference for their health. Now, I know this is the 10-year anniversary of the UH Connor Whole Health Network. Where do you see the next steps for the program? Thank you. Yes, it's hard to imagine that we are at 10 years uh, anniversary. We're certainly going to continue one of our fundamental principles is to be of service, to add value. And so we are woving into the fabric of UH and making sure that we are adding value to uh, our uh, patients as well as our clinic, clinical partners and our clinicians, making sure that you know we are not in competition, we are all in one team and we are uh, adding value, uh, increasing clinical outcome, increasing patient experience or uh, decreasing cost. And I think that has been the key of our success is um, and acceptance across the enterprise is because people understand that we have uh, opportunity to add value. When we say we add value, it's also into the field. So we have a, a very robust research team. Uh, we have uh, NIH grant and foundation grants to continue to um, um, study and research the effectiveness of those uh, modalities, but also uh, from a very pragmatic point of view and practical point of view, what is the best way to deliver the comprehensive care. And then we also have, of course, an educational program where we have um, several schools that partner with us and fellows and interns and medical students rotating to our program where we hope to make an impact on um, future uh, clinicians. So, you know, it's a it's a very exciting time for us 
And uh, something that we are very proud of is the support of our colleagues. We have um, earned their trust and uh, really we are functioning as one team and that uh, that is most important to us. Now, how do you plan on building on the network success and growing it over the next year or two? Well, I continue to be the, to do the same thing, to tell you the truth. I mean, we, from the get-go, uh, I consider ourselves to be of service. Of service, not only, of course, of our patients, but our colleagues, our partners, our you know, caregivers, and um, making sure that we add, we add value. We have fantastic clinicians. And uh, it's not like, you know, one is better than the other one. We are all on the same team and continue this, this mantra almost of how can we serve? How do we add value? That is really our philosophy. And not only we help our colleagues to take care of their patients, but we also um, intentionally pause and um, reflect on how we can help them to take care of themselves and teaching them to take better care of themselves physically, emotionally, spiritually. From the get-go, we, we have put the intention to be of service. I think that has really what um, has been the key of our success. And we'll continue with that mantra. So continue to partner with our colleagues, uh, develop uh, integrated, comprehensive approaches where we put it all together and um, serve patients from prevention all the way to, you know, the end of the journey, working together as a team. That's really great to hear. And one of the things you mentioned in terms of being of service to the colleagues and other healthcare workers, it seems like that would be so important right now. I know Hospital health system executives across the country are trying to figure out how to um, address some of the stress and, and burnout issues from physicians and staff members and really needing to do more. So what would you say to, to some of these other executives who may not have such an advanced program within their organizations? Um, you know, what can they do in the short and long term to really make sure that you know, their team members are taken care of? Well, you know, I think that, um, first of all, it's a question of model. And I think that it's not about telling people what to do. We have to do it ourselves. And when we ask our patients to um, pay attention to their stress and pay attention to their diet and get some movement in and making sure that they um, follow, you know, all recommendations, we need to have a good look in the mirror and making sure that we do that ourselves. So I think that modeling is very important just because we, we patients are watching what we do, but also when we talk about um, leaders uh, in a healthcare system, we leaders need to model that as well for our colleagues and our peers and our reports. So all assets, the most precious assets is really our, our caregivers or employees. And without um, them, it would be absolutely impossible to do all the miracles we literally do day in and day out. I mean, we all have heard that analogy of, you know, the flight attendant who remind us to put the oxygen mask on us first before we attend someone in need. 
And we kind of laugh about it, but guess what? They do it and they still do it because, um, because it's true. If we want to be the best of ourselves, we, we need to pay attention to our needs and taking care of ourselves as well. So what I'm going to say to leaders um, of any uh, business, including healthcare business, is it's not negotiable. We have to do it. And um, it's, it's not a huge investment in terms of resources. It's an intention. I love that the mantra and that idea that it has to be intentional. It has to be something you're modeling and really building into the culture within the organization. Now, absolutely. Before we end our discussion here, I have one more question. What advice do you have for aspiring women physician leaders today? Oh, that's a great question. You know, I think that one advice is spend some time getting to know yourself. What does that mean? You know, knowing what are your strengths, what push your buttons, what what makes you special. Really understand yourself because I think that... um, it takes a lot of courage to lead. It takes a lot of uh, discipline to practice this self-care and uh, to know what is going to either inspire us, what's, what's our purpose, what's our mission, but also what's going to trigger, trigger us, you know, the, what's going to push our buttons, what's going to make us reactive, what's stressful to us. All of this are important tips to know so we can mitigate them better. I think that's, um, you know, maybe the uh, important advice. And yeah, I, um, I'm going to add two. I think that um, seek mentors and become a mentor yourself. Uh, you learn just as much as mentoring someone that um, uh, listening or having a conversation with mentors. Um, and then find, um, make a commitment of taking care of yourself. You know, a lot of us think that self-care is, uh, is a luxury. And self-care is not booking ourselves, uh, you know, in an expensive retreat in a resort. It's taking care of our needs the way we treat people we care about. So it's just making sure that we are paying attention to what what we need uh, just as much as we are paying attention to everybody else's needs. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Adan, for being here today. This has been a really fantastic discussion and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you so much, Laura. I enjoy it and I, I hope this was helpful.